Hello and welcome once again to now episode 14 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. As usual, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Hey, good, thanks. Um, not bad today. It's not been the greatest of weeks. It's had its ups and downs, but I'm not too bad today. How are you doing? Yeah, pr- pretty much the same. Um, obviously, I remember last week I was riding quite a, a high. I had clarity for the first time, but yeah, things have taken, not a dip, but they've taken a bit of an awkward turn over the past few days, and I'll go into a bit later. But we like to get games talked about first, and I know you've been playing a fair few, so I'll hand over to you, as usual, for the first one you want to chat about. I've been playing a lot of Ace Combat 7 is the first one I want to talk about. So I got this on the PlayStation 4 about well, about six or eight months ago, and completely oblivious to the fact that it was a PC version because I'm an idiot and I didn't bother checking, which would have been my platform of choice. Anyway, so I played it on the PS4 quite a way, then found out about the PC version. I was like, right, stop it. I'm just going to leave it, play it on the on the PC when I can in all of its you know high-definition glory. Still worth having the PS4 one because it has some VR missions that aren't available on, on PC. But the PC one, absolutely beautiful, seamless and flawless play. And it's if you've never played the series, it's a midway between um, a flight sim and an arcade experience. So it's not Microsoft Flight Simulator, but it's not Afterburner. And it's very happily in the middle of the both. What really stands out about this entry is the variety in the missions and how well the the missions are laid out. So you could, in one mission, be like bombing some tankers whilst trying to fend off little drones that are flying around you. And some will be where you're having combat against ace pilots high up in the stratosphere. And I really love that whole structure of urgency, but also tactical planning that's needed and on the fly adjustment so it's just a fantastic game if you can if you have a platform to play on definitely get that if it sounds at all interesting it's one of those games i remember playing ace combat one two three whatever the playstation one versions of those games so i remember they absolutely blind my mind on the playstation one and then i think i just kind of the later versions kind of went over me a little bit I always thought, and I don't know if this is just confused releasing or something like that, I, I thought Ace Combat had gone like a free-to-play type microtransaction fueled thing at some point. And so it kind of put me off. But I've heard a lot of people talk quite positively about Ace Combat 7. It's definitely one I want to try. Yeah, there was a, there was a free-to-play one. And the last full release... Uh, wasn't great, wasn't well-received. It was too gimmicky and uh, not simmy enough. But this one's like a, ref- a real return to form. And uh, it's-, say, it's still got the bat- batshit crazy story to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it came out, the original series came out almost day and date with the Ridge Racer series on PS1, and it's basically Ridge Racer in the skies with guns. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. And it has the same sort of design. It has the same sort of garage, although obviously it's a hangar. It has the same sort of um, loadout thing that you had in Rage Racer. So it's, if you liked Ridge Racer games and the way they progressed, I can't see you disliking this. So VR yeah. though, VR for a game like that, I always imagine that's the one sort of game that you're going to come out of it afterwards and just vomit all over the place you'd think that but there's a there's this really funny thing that they've discovered with with vr um and anything that's cockpit based whether it's flight or whether it's driving if you've got a frame of reference that's like a hood um or a, a, an outline so like the pillars in a car or the you know the hood and the cockpit in in a in a you know jet plane yeah if you've got that point of reference then flipping around is much easier to tolerate. It's more, it's harder when it's like a, an FPS where yeah. there's nothing in front of you and the only frame of reference is the middle distance and you're looking at that and it's zipping around. Um, it's funny the way that they've really cottoned on to what works and what doesn't with that. So like Wipeout Amiga, which is a virgin on the, one of the greatest games I've ever played. Mm. Um it's just incredible in VR. And the reason that it doesn't make you sick is because of that, it has the cockpit frame and you can 
you see that in your peripheral vision and you focus in the middle distance and having those two points of reference stops you feeling as sick as you could. Yeah, that's as it. So in Ace Combat, um, and I don't have to say with other flight simulators and in VR, can you do that thing where as you're flying the plane, you can kind of look up above the cockpit as you're flying and see anything flying above you as you go down, you can turn your head around and look at all angles or is it still fairly thick? Yeah, you can do all of that. So it has three views. The full views. top gun. The full top gun, absolutely. So it has uh, three, in the standard version, i.e. not VR, you, you can have three viewpoints. So one is inside the cockpit, but without the, with only the hood, you know, only yeah. the little hood. The second one is the hood plus the, the physical outside of the cockpit. And the third is a third person view. And on top of that, you click through those with R3. On top of that, the right stick is mapped to a free camera and you can look around all the time. And yeah, so it's great. You can still see in all directions. Although obviously in VR, that's so much better because you're just doing it with your actual head. But it's uh, it's great. It's just a great game. Sony, if you're listening, get me a VR unit. I actually really <laughs> want to try that one. Um, but I find that uh, we'll talk about VR probably another time. But I think that's what we're finding with VR now that Instead of trying to make every type of game work with VR, it's having it, you realise that it's perfect for certain games and to make it for those rather than trying to shoehorn loads of different things into it. So I'm, I'm definitely getting more and more interested when I hear things, how it works with like racing games and flight games and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the next generations of VR bring for stuff like that. But I've been playing, before you move on to your next one, I, I've been playing, I'm going to go start with Animal because that's just every day, every week. I think I've played every day since that game was released. So, And I've, at the moment, i actually done some um, time skipping for the first time, which Animal Crossing veterans will know is a big, naughty thing to do. Uh, but I needed to plan stuff for my island layout, and it was just taking ages and not working. So I've done a little bit of time skipping, and I decided to skip this week's turnips market and stuff like that. But I've now got my bit that I wanted laid out with the rocks in a in a specific order in the garden. And I'm now starting to move everything about and build my island. Um, the reason I bring it out is I've, I've stupidly, I don't know why, I entered a forum competition to have people judge your islands um, and the stuff you've done. And I went to one last night, someone on the forum. And yeah, I'm going to be like the San Marino of Animal Crossing because I am <laughs> propping up the bottom of the group table for that one. Oh, I, I've got no chance. I've got a few paths. I'm thinking, yeah, they look nice. I've got nice paths, a nice village getting built up. Still bare bones. But like, it's quite nice. And I saw this other one. I was just like, uh, I've got no imagination at all. <laughs> Except I've got my crack den in my home and I'm in the middle of building a pawn set in my basement. So and there's always that. So maybe that'll get me some points. <laughs> I hope so. I, that's the re- <laughs> This is the reason I never enter any competitions because... I just exposed me for how talentless and dumb. I, I don't I even am. remember. Any, I don't even remember entering it properly. And then I got some notifications going. I was like, probably drunk. No, that's the thing. I wouldn't have been drunk. I think I made a sarcastic comment in the thread, and yeah, that signed me up apparently. But <laughs> fair play. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, Animal Crossing is still going strong. I don't know what I'm going to do when I finish building my island. But people play that for thousands of days, so there's going to be something to do afterwards. But yeah, it's fun. And my daughter is now obsessed with it on the 3DS. So I'm actually tempted, once I've built most of it, is to actually get her a character on my main island and let her play around in there as well. Because she's become super obsessed with it. And what's really crazy, at three years old, she knows what she's doing. And it's so real time. It shouldn't be difficult to fix anything she might potentially break. Hmm. Yeah, um, but I can see why people don't get on with it as well because it is a life commitment almost. <laughs> but I think that thing of having a timer and things altering game based on it is actually underused in gaming in general. I'd like to see more of it. I think it's probably just generally because it, if unless the game's built around it, it's just a peripheral thing and take too much coding time. But I mean, imagine yeah. if you're playing like I don't know, Last of Us Two and you decide to camp for one night and you turn off your PS4 or PS5 or whatever and you turn on the next day and the night has passed and, you know, 
it's pretty much the same. But if you don't turn that game on for, say, six weeks and there's more undergrowth and the season has changed, how much cooler would that be? And I know there's a lot of work involved just, just to do that, but it, that would it be cool. is. But I think having more living games, like um, No Man's Sky and games like that as well, having more games of that vein, I think it's something we might see more of. We might see longer running games. Mm. that are released in X state, built upon, but also we see them as living throughout properly, not just ways of going, oh, look, we, we've messed up, we're going to support this game, but built more around the Animal Crossing style without it actually being another Animal Crossing. And also, just to point out, I wonder how many listeners we lost just there when you mentioned Last of Us 2, because they would be going, no, no, uh, no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, so yeah. You might need to edit that bit in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to see more like that. And Animal Crossing is still great. So I'm going to hand back over to you for what else you've been playing. Oh, well, you know, Last of Us 2, isn't it amazing that Ellie dies in the first five minutes? That I said. <laughs> so, I'm just taking the, the Michael. Um, <laughs> so uh, I had a quick go on Gears Tactics. I've only played the first mission still because I've moved on to something else, but it's in the background for later. And yeah, that seems like a, a good, fun XCOM style tactical RPG. Very simple really doubles down on the gears it's for thickos style <laughs> i had a huge Excellent. argument online about gears last year in the game of the year thing because some people were equating the fact that it's dumb and it's a melodrama with you playing it meaning that you're unsophisticated i really railed against that uh, i don't think there's a correlation at all but um it certainly doubles down on that feeling in Gears Tactics, but I think, you know, to its benefit, it's stupid, it's over the top. And if you like the style, you're going to like it. So I'm looking forward to playing more of that. But on Game Pass, I've been playing Streets of Rage 4, and uh, there'll be a review on the site very, very soon for that. And that's really good game. It's really good game. Uh, it's, it's such a weird thing to have a sequel to something so far in the past kind of forgotten except for a small like cadre of people and brought back into the modern day but finding like pick it's picked it's selected an era that it lives in so it's not saying okay this is the 1991 game or even this is the 1993 final game i think it was 93 it might have been 94 and it's not even saying oh god right okay well things started getting really good with guardian heroes which is about 98 it's picked kind of time in between that and said, imagine that the Mega Drive got some sort of Super Mega Drive release at some point, kind of like the PC Engine did. And you could have widescreen, you could have enhanced graphics, and you could have more characters on screen. But you're broadly in the same era and you've got the same sensibilities and stuff with more sophistication hasn't come out. And it's like that. And it works really well for what it is. And it'll, I think it will turn off as many people as it, as as who are delighted by it, to be quite honest with you. But anyone who gets into it with a kind of mentality of either it's just an arcade blast, I'll have fun with it for 15 minutes an hour, or I'm going to really cane this and, and work out all of the, the margins, the keep-away tactics, the armor levels. It caters for both of those. So it's a, it's a really solid release. It's interesting, actually, because usually when you see something's being rebooted, and I'm not going to mention Shaq Fu. Um, there was a reboot of Shaq Fu? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Jesus. bad. But usually oh, when something's been rebooted for something that's been that far in the past, it's usually a massive siren going off as, this is going to be crap, this is going to be bad, this is going to be bad, don't play it. Yeah. But I really assume that for all the positive looks at, Streets of Rage 4 that I was seeing. I've not played it yet, so I can't overly comment. I was going, people are going to be let down. I'm just going to watch YouTube videos of people complaining about Streets of Rage 4. Yeah, even people like Jim Sterling, who likes to row on, on certain aspects of the video game culture, he's really enjoying it. And every other commentator I'm seeing at the moment is just really loving the game. So it's that from what you were saying and from what others said, they've seemed to have nailed that side of the release, the gameplay and the feeling of playing a Streets of Rage game again. They definitely have. And it is a hard line to tread. I was listening to something about Assassin's Creed Valhalla and they were talking about the previous games as well and how, I think it was Odyssey, some people were complaining about not being able to 
level up your character to like OP levels and bring them back into the main quest. And they added that in because there was a, there was a fan request for it and they did it. And that feels very much like a modern thing of, you know, there's progress, there's, there's feedback, there's listening and there's adaptation based on that. And the thing of Streets of Rage going, well, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to set it in a very specific time with a specific aesthetic and sort of omitting some progress just so that you can still feel the way that it was. I think that's really brave. And to, yeah. you have to get it technically correct. So technically correct to please people making that design decision. And I think they did. I think technically it's a, it's a first class product, despite it only being of a small budget and from a small team. I feel there's a but coming up though. <laughs> well, I suppose that implicitly the but is that if you want anything that really pushed the genre forward, really pushed it, you're not going to get it. So just very sort of high level, I would say Alien vs. Predator by Capcom, which actually came out around the time of the earlier Streets of Rage games, yep. had special moves like Street Fighter, and it was edging more towards Street Fighter, but in a in a 2D brawler. So it doesn't have things like that. They're, they're buttons, they're not patterns. So it misses that. Some people will like that, some don't. But that was also in Guardian Heroes, and it doesn't have any of that. And it doesn't have ancillary stuff, so you can't bring up a menu... Uh, and select like a wider selection of of options. Now, again, those things are sort of, some people like them, some people don't. But an advancement of the genre in totality would be to pick the best things of that, use the numerous buttons on modern joypads to have that added in, and do something along the lines of uh, Dungeons & Dragons Shadow Over Mystara and uh, Dragon's Crown, which came out in the last few years. So it does lack all of that stuff. So it's not sophisticated in those ways. It's sophisticated in what it does with what it has, but it, it doesn't push anything forward. And that will alienate some people. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. I can imagine like um, a teenage or something picking it up and just really not seeing what the big deal was. Um, I, I noted that and just to slightly go in a different with, with that. My son was playing um, the original Black Ops yesterday. And he turned around and went, why did you people think this was so good, Dad? The graphics are crap, and <laughs> this isn't as good as the new, newer games. It doesn't play as well, it doesn't do this. And I'm like, but the game's over a decade old, I think. You know, it's mm. going back to when that was released, that game was absolutely amazing. It blew minds for what it, how it told a story and how it played. Um, and I think you'll see probably newcomers to Streets of Rage not just not getting why people were loving literally the old school way of playing a playing an old school game in a modern setting not even a modern setting yeah. but a, sort of a mo- on a modern system sorry yeah yeah definitely and can you still upskirt <laughs> funnily enough there is there is one right at the end uh, one of the characters right near the end uh can get into that sort of pose but it's kind of like it, it could you know they could be cycling shorts type of thing so it's it's better because that sort of thing really makes me squirm. It's a, it was a yeah. You look back at that and you just go yeah. But you look back and you just go, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's separated we, off into its own subgenre what, now as well, what, hasn't it? What on earth was we like mm. as human beings? <laughs> um, I, I, what I always like about stuff like that, and I think it happens with Overwatch as well, is when a developer goes, maybe we can tone down the sexuality just a tad on the women, you know, because, yet yeah, they are being seen as objects, so maybe we can empower them a bit. The rabid subsection of the internet that just lose their minds never fails to entertain me. Yeah. I, if I'm ever feeling bad about myself, I'm going, oh, you know, I'm not a good person or anything like that. I often see something, a reaction to something like that and go, do you know what? I'm not too bad. I think, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, one last point on this is that th- there's a way of doing it brilliantly, and I think the lead for it is Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider reboot. I would say it took a character that was purely based on, well, two Boots. focal points, yep. And, and points yeah. being the operative word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very pointy back in the day. And 
kept the entire essence of the character and didn't change her outfit and still managed to not be exploitative. And I thought that was really good. So it can be done. It can be done. It just isn't done very often. Which I'm going to interrupt because what that now leads to is almost the perfect segue. Because talking of low polygon games, I've been playing Lonely Mountains Downhill. Now this looks gorgeous. Yeah, I really want to play this. It, it's, I mean, I've seen games before, before I get into the crux of it. Um, and this is a longer gaming chat than we usually have, so but we'll get on to the other stuff in a bit. Anyway, I've seen low polygon games before, and they've tried to really go for the old PS1 aesthetic, and they're fine. They look good, um, and there's a certain style to that. But what Lonely Mountains has done, and the developers have done there, is they've gone right. We'll go low polygon. That's fine. That works. But let let's really modernise that low polygon feel as well. And I know other games have gone similar and stuff like that. If you if you search around, you'll find them. But you look at Lonely Mountains and you've got a low polygon character that somehow has a ton of expression about them on that bike they're on, despite not having an actual face. I mean, you know, I think there's one, two, three, maybe five polygons almost. It looks like that make up their entire head. And then there's a certain smoothness, a pastel, a pastel colour to everything that makes it feel really smooth and really calm. And just from the very first moment you start the game, you look at it and you just go, wow. And you feel at peace. It's almost zen-like the second you start the game. Yeah. And it's really simple. It's a case of you start at a point A on a mountain, you go down and get to the finish. There's challenges in the game, so you have time challenges. There's ones where you have to do it without crashing a certain amount of times. Then expert levels where you have to beat a time and not crash a certain amount of times. The game has checkpoints. If you're going for a pure timed one, you can really gun it. You can sort of like go to that first checkpoint, try and really nail it. And if you crash, doesn't matter, back to the checkpoint and your time resets to there. Gets checkpoint four, for example, are in a minute. And then you kind of go down the next bit, but you miss a shortcut. And you're like, ah, oh, that could have saved me maybe four seconds. You could just go bing your bike somewhere else, go back to that checkpoint, checkpoint, the time resets to that minute, and you can go again. So on the time versions, even though it's like rush, 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 it's kind of calming because if you make a mistake, say, for example, like in trials, you make a mistake. It's like, ah, oh, that's ruined my perfect run or what I was aiming for. They don't get that with this. So the time wise, you can go, you can make mistakes. The leaderboard tells you how many mistakes you make, uh, which is the only little snide thing I think it does. So I've got one of my times, I'm like third in the world on one of the runs and stuff like that. But it says like I've got third in the world times with 164 crashes. You can tell I've tried to cheat the system a bit there or try and find shortcuts that aren't there. And the people above me have got like, 12 crashes or 34 something like that but yeah it, it's got that but it's still really calming because it doesn't over punish you and if you try and go for the i'm not gonna crash ones there's even a level where there's no checkpoints take it as slow as you want really just take the normal path make sure you break in and take a leisurely ride down to the bottom of the mountain really calm the various different mountains you get to have each have their own aesthetic that evoke a different emotion. Just absolutely superb. And what else really helps the game, and this just, I can't insist enough, whatever system it is, whether it's your Xbox, the PS4, or, or, or even brilliantly on the Switch, headphones. Put headphones on, dial it up. There's no music in the game at all. Every bit of sound comes from ambient sound from birds or, or wildlife maybe around the mountain, but again, not too much. But you hear every bit of contact that bike has with that mountain. And I don't know if it has got it or whether it was my mind playing tricks on me, but playing it handheld on the Switch with the HD rumble, I don't know if it was it, but I felt like I could feel the bike. It almost felt like I was on those handlebars mm. and feeling it judder a bit. I can't tell you if it actually was because of how good HD Rumble generally is and how it can give those different elements. They may not have programmed that in at all. And I might just be imagining it, but that's the sound design that's doing that. Uh, maybe read my review, uh, and as you saw, Stu, developers really sort of like what we what I said about it as well. But honestly, it is wow. It is such an amazing experience. I cannot praise this game enough. Superb. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely pick that up. I love it when 
you get, I mean, you get it quite a bit in sims, sim races where the feedback is, is so precise, precisely matched with the sound that you can, you're using it as like 25, 30% of your, you know, piloting or driving skill because there's that much thought and precision put into it. That's And to have it done in a, a stylized game like that one is really impressive because you yeah. can imagine that producing it to be so visually appealing on a probably what's comparatively a low budget, that's quite enough. But to to go that extra mile and, and do that, I'm really impressed. That sounds really impressive. Yeah. As I said, I don't know what they've got planned next as a studio, but if that's them having found their genre, their niche, that style of game, then, yeah, go go with that. Maybe, I, I mean, I, if they was to produce a snowboarding game in that vein, oh, my God, I think I might have my replacement for SSX. Oh, finally, yeah. That style of game for snowboarding or skiing and things like that, yeah, I, I'll pre-order that today if they announce that. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Well, let's hope they don't get swallowed up by some big studio and asked to do something they don't want uh, no. but yeah no i hope they do i hope they they do something in the same vein as the next target but yeah also just do want to shout out really great to get feedback from the developers as well it's nice that you get that with the indie guys i think more than anything else you know having individual developers go thank you that was a great review and things like that it's just really good to start getting that that interaction and yeah it makes you feel really good when you need a boost Definitely. So, but obviously talking about needing a boost, um, I'll, I'll touch on one thing uh, briefly with this is over the past week, I've put myself under a lot of pressure and I think needlessly so, um, but it's something I do quite a lot, and, but I also thrive under that pressure where I was looking at sort of like what I've got. I've got a new camera for recording and stuff like that. I'm getting the bits for the mic that I need to come through. And I'm going, like, I need to step up professionally. I need to make this site look more professional. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. I'm not going to be able to keep up with anyone else. And I started feeling bogged down and weighed down by it. And at the same time, because I was doing that, I was producing... Um, I was happy producing content. I actually started doing a little bit of work for someone else as well. And my creative duties were flying because I was, I put pressure and I just, my brain just likes that. But then I felt I was, again, I was starting to snap at the kids needlessly because I was trying to do something. I look, no, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to make this right. And then setting up, you know, I want to set up more video stuff and I've not done any in the last week. I've got loads in my head that I want to do. But I was putting pressure on myself going, it's not going to be perfect. I can't do it. It's not going to be perfect. Without realising, that's not why I set this up. That's not why I did this. My first couple of videos was just me at a sofa, one of them in my dressing gown. Yet now I'm going, I've got to be perfect. I've got to get capture equipment. And it took me, I had to really step back and go, no, stop. You're going to send yourself into a spiral. Stop spiral now before it even begins because as you're probably well aware as soon as a spiral starts and hits a certain point pulling yourself out of it is nigh on impossible until it comes to its devastating end so yeah it's just been really weird sort of like sort of like going from this really moment of moments of clarity and a really excellent week to just feeling so burdened for no reason at all yeah no uh, that's really interesting and obviously must have been difficult to cope with as well the fact that you've able to pinpoint when you you feel like you're going into a spiral though and course correct i think that must have taken you years and years to to achieve and it's it's a big achievement really oh yeah no definitely and it's because i mean because i've had it happen to me many times before for various reasons it's become a lot easier spot when those moments are and I think being on the medication now helped because pre-medication, or sort of like I would have let that carry on. The feelings of worthlessness would have um, came in, and I think what helped was it's not hiring because I'm not hiring anyone, but bringing in the new writers for the site I think really helped because 
I was going, no, if I spiral too much, I'm going to start putting too much pressure on the other writers. And that's not something I want to do. I want it to be that people can do what they want as they want. Um, so, yes, spotting those moments where going just you need to step back is something that I don't want to say I've trained myself to do or, you know, I'm I'm wonderful because I can do it. But, yeah, it's knowing what happens if you don't and being able to spot those. Yeah. Similarly on the on the theme of pressure, I, I've been getting annoyed with myself because I've been getting short-tempered with my family or one specific member of my family. And it unfortunately, like they're in a vulnerable situation. And because they're in a vulnerable situation and they need my help, that means that there's pressure on me to to do that. It's it's a responsibility. So Responsibility is one of those weird floating terms because it can sometimes mean something where you just pop around and see somebody occasionally and it's a joy and that's a responsibility. Or it can be that you have financial things tied up with them or a huge time commitment that overlaps with your your chores or your day job or whatever and it's really difficult and that's also responsibility. So it, it's a it's a big term but in this case my responsibilities and the reactions to them have verged on. It's not as though this person is ungrateful or thoughtless, but I sometimes I, th- I don't think they appreciate the amount of effort, both emotionally and logistically, I put into things. And it makes you feel devalued. And if you feel devalued then you put pressure on yourself to try and up your game, like you were saying, don't you? You kind of, yeah. you you really start amping up and you go, okay, where are the gaps? What can I do better? What can I do more of? How do I maximize this? And you, what you're doing then, or what I'm, oh no, what I'm doing, I'm not talking about, I'm not going to talk about other people. What I do is I go, look what I'm doing here. I'm doing a very logical, uh, you know, gap analysis of, of what needs to be done. But what I'm missing is that there's an anxiety behind it and I'm putting pressure on myself to fill a non-existent gap. And the locus of control is actually with the other person who's being unfairly critical. But because you don't want to criticise people and because you feel that you want to do stuff, it's really difficult to find where the line is between, you know, I'm being a good person and doing the right thing or I'm being a bad person and not doing enough and, and the pressure and anxiety can creep in. All of that's to say that's a lot of what's been going on with me this week as well. And it's been difficult to to fight against a little bit similar to what you've been been coping with, I think. Yeah, it's it sounds it. I mean, thankfully for me at home, it's just me, the kids and my partner. Um, everyone else, say, within my family is able to get on with what they're doing. They've got support networks and stuff like that. So I, it's whatever I've got to deal with, it's just in my immediate household. But yeah, I, I've seen others as well that have, you know, they're, they're either on their own or they've got family members that are on their own and have needed that that help from them. And I've seen the pressure they've put on themselves to be the ones to do that. And yeah, I, I, I it makes me so relieved that it's me and my just immediate sort of like my children and my partner. Because I, I don't think personally, and as selfish as this might sound, I could cope with that added pressure of having to help others as well. Yeah. Although, ironically, you are helping others with the um, the Discord chat, <laughs> or at least giving yeah. people a platform for it, um, which is great because what's great about that sort of thing is there are very measurable, not results, but you know there are encounters that have an obvious feel to them. And if it's somebody saying terribly, terribly negative stuff, that's actually positive because it's getting it out. And yeah, you, it, in those scenarios, it's great because you don't have something logistical that you have to do for them. And one of my friends was having a lot of trouble this week with Twitter. And they were saying, oh, you know, I don't know whether to just bin Twitter off. It's like, I need it for my work, but it might be just better for my mental health to get rid of it completely and they seem to be inviting suggestions so i said well you could just keep your your work-based account and you could look at other stuff like whatsapp groups and and discord and stuff 
for just bringing in groups of people you like. Um, and I don't often go to advice. I don't often give people advice, but they seemed like they were genuinely lost for what to do. But they came back with what was essentially, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. And it's kind of like, hmm, yeah, you, you, what, you, what you're doing is you're, you're saying that there's a problem and people coming with potential solutions, but what you're doing is moaning, which is fine to a degree. But the only thing that I see from you is moaning now. And I don't see anything positive. And I would say that, you know, if I could be completely honest, I would be saying this is the point at which you definitely need to not be on Twitter. You need a holiday from this stuff. And I think that's, again, pressure that they feel like they have to be around rather than taking their own mental health into account and just going, well, you know what, screw all this, I'm off, at least for a while. So, yeah, pressure hits us in different ways, I think. Yeah, and actually, to carry this one on, because I was going to talk about something else, but I think I'll save that for another time now. But to carry this on, you mentioned the social media side. I actually took that break <clears throat> from social media two years ago, I think, where I just cut it all off completely. And whilst the initial buzz was, wow, this is great. I haven't got to be on social media. I haven't got to be seeing how everyone else is doing. I think in the long run, it made me feel even more lonely. Um, you know, I was visiting family, you know, I was seeing people at the ice rink, my family are around me, um, but I actually felt lonely. Um, and I, I, I point this out because, and I don't mean this as a sort of like poor me type scenario, but I don't have friends. I don't like local friends that I can go to a pub with or chat about video games with because people I know physically, they're not into that. They're the ones that don't suit me. So why am I engaging with those people on Facebook and in real life? Why don't I actually go, look, don't need you people on Facebook because I can talk to you in real life. I can talk to you at a rink or wherever. That's that's fine. And I don't need you on Twitter because I, I, I need what suits me. So I actually decided when I came back to Twitter for the mental health gaming account, was actually to try and stick as exclusively to that as possible and just fill that with people who have the same interests. So it's video game and now obviously the mental health advocates and things like that as well. And I'm finding it a much, much better experience and much better for my mental health actually being on social media, which I never thought I would have said a couple of years ago. Mm. I think that's why this person needs a break. I think it would give them the clarity to make that kind of choice and just separate the wheat from the chaff and get rid of a load of people who are causing, you know, more negative impulses. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you said about sort of like everything was a, everything you suggested was a chore and there was a reason for not doing it. I can, I, I, I've been on that side uh, previously and um, Lee, who host one half of Geeks Who Like Sports. Check out their podcast. It's great, by the way. He's always been someone who's tried to help me, whether it's find work or just be a positive influence and stuff like that. But he would be the sort who would turn around to me regularly and go, you've got to think positively. You've got to look at doing this. You don't need to do this. You don't need to live up to this. Try doing this. And I'd always be going, yeah, but, yeah, but. This is stopping me doing it. Can't do it like that. You don't understand the opportunities that you have that I don't have. And finding a reason. And yeah, hearing you talk about that with the person you know reminds me of, yeah, I know how burdening that can also be when someone's trying to offer legitimate advice. And now I look back and go, that was sound advice. And then having that just thrown back in your face constantly in a way. Your friend, for example, needs to get to that point where he can spot what he's doing there and realise, yes, it seems like hard work, but there is a route. If you just take the right steps at the right time, there is a route. And what does seem impossible is entirely possible. And I can say that's from the point of view of someone who took over a year to make the first step of even buying the URL for mental health gaming because I was like, it's going to cost me six pounds and it's going to be six pound weighted. I could do with that six pound. I haven't got six pounds to waste. What's the point? And then try to find other reasons why I couldn't start it. Another reason 
And it was only a, an event where I was so close to ending it all that made me go, no, do you know what? This is something that's going to help me. I've got to do it. Uh, you know, I'll go without this. I've got to do this. But at that time, yeah, I get your friend. So it's okay. You can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you, yeah, you've got to realize that saying that it's not fair on the person who just all they care, they love you and they just want to help you. Yeah. Throwing it back is sometimes the worst you can do. And they start to get frustrated with you. They won't show it directly, but there will be a passive aggressive tone to what they're then saying to you. They don't mean it, but they will start offering that advice passive aggressively. And that's when things can break down a bit. And I will say now to Lee, I'm sorry because I've done that to you. I, I've given you that pushback that when you've only tried to be helpful. So I am really, really sorry because that's never been my attention. And I know you've had nothing but good intentions for me. So that wasn't expected to come up today. A full on apology to someone. But yeah, I, I was in the wrong. I apologise. And yeah, I, you mentioning that has just got me to think, yeah, that's something that I've done and it's how frustrating it must be. Mm. that's a really big thing to do i think that's a great thing to do to apologize artists that's really cool and it it's why you know when you're dealing with friends when they're when they're having issues it, you're not the best person to speak to them or to be the recipient of that knowledge sometimes it's why you know having why having mental health professionals or even stuff like the discord which is anonymous or semi-anonymous at least is so good because you can, it's just firing stuff out into the void and like I could ask a million questions um, to somebody who I don't know that will lead them down a path of really interrogating why they're feeling a certain way. But you can't do that with friends because they'll be like, well, why is he asking me this when I know that he did such and such a thing in the past? Yeah. You know, there's always going to be a value judgment when it's somebody you know. But you've also got the case of, if you say you're speaking to someone and, they, and it's a friend and they really want to say, look, I, I don't know how to do this. I've fallen out of love with my wife or something like that. And that is really, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to keep it together for the kids or things like that. And I'm really struggling with that. They can't say that to you yeah. because you know both of them. You're friends with both of them. By the way, no issues at home. By the way, that's not the reason <laughs> I brought that bit up. No, um, but it's just a thing. But it's those personal things, those certain things that you can't say. You know, I mean, for example, I mean, I can talk now. I, and I'll say this now. I don't think any of my friends actually listen to this. But I, I, I am suffering at the moment through probably um, ill health with in terms of my, not managing my diabetes properly and the stress of mental health. I've got erectile dysfunction at the moment. And I can't talk about that with friends down the rink and stuff like that. It's very hard to, but I'm more than happy to admit that to, you know, not, not straight. I mean, we've never met in person, Stu, so you're not a, but you're not a stranger at the same time. But I'm more than happy to talk about it because I haven't got to look someone in the eye and say something like that as well. Yeah. Um, and saying that to a friend and going, you know, I'm really worried, you know, what, what effect is that going to have on my personal life moving forward? You can do that with a professional with into the void or, you know, into a Discord channel or, you know, as we are talking here, it's possible to do that. But yeah, friends are not always the best for advice. They have the best intentions, but they're not always the best for advice, I find. Yeah. And the, yeah, definitely. And not wanting to give advice means if you're just seeing negative stuff from them and you know that that's not good for them and there are, there are ways they could get out of it. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is to step away and take a holiday from what they're saying as well, because you have to look at your own mental health. We're, we're all this overlapping bubbles of behavior. And sometimes it's great that they're, you know, bouncing into one another, but sometimes it's a really poor idea. And Knowing when to step away is a good thing to do as well. Yeah, and that's the other. That's the other thing is well, something I used to do. If I was given poor advice, and again, completely unintentionally got poor advice, I'd take that as a slight on me, or I shouldn't try this again, or I shouldn't take the risks again, because you feel well, it's poor advice. Why is that person? Be no one again. No one is intentionally giving you poor advice, and it's never done because it's not going to work it's probably something that they've seen before that's worked for someone else but as we've started as we all know and uh, i've realized more and more there's no catch-all situations no perfect answer for mental health because if there was boy there'd be no mental health 
there'll be sorry, no mental, there'll be no mental health issues. It'll be this is what works, just do this, you'll be fine. And as I said, I know that there's certain things I can try that I don't have the means to do, I don't have the funds to do. You know, I know one thing that would improve my mental health greatly will be living in a three bedroom house with a garden, but that's not possible for me. So I have to find other ways to deal with that. But at the same time, someone might have tons of cash for whatever reason and be able to move and they can go and do that. That's fine. But then there might be something I can say, look, just do more with your kids. Do a little bit more with your kids. Play video games with them. You know, it's great. They love that. They love that interaction. It'll make you feel better about yourself. That works for me, but that might not work for someone else. And because there isn't that that one one rule that fixes everything, it's why the discussion needs to be had. And again, why I'm happy now to say things I would never have said previously, because I know that if I keep things bottled up, when I've got a platform to be able to share those with people, it will allow other people maybe to just open up that little bit more and not not share their inner deepest, darkest secrets or anything like that, but just test the waters a bit and go, look, I really wanted to do this today. I, I, you know, I was very tempted to, you know, I, I was so tempted to go and shoplift just to feel something or something like that. Whereas, you, you know, something they might not have been wanting to say before because the shame of wanting to do something like that could go, you know, why, why would I say that to someone? People aren't going to trust me. But because there is so many variants and there's no answer, just the talking is helping. And take it from me, someone who can rat a lot. The, their talking helps. This is helping me right now, um, and this is why I, I love doing this with you, Stu, because you're you're so patient with listening. Um, that it's great to have that sounding board at the same time. Well, I'm glad that it can help, and you know, reciprocally, I you know, I find it really useful as well. And what you just said about there being so many variants, but no answer. I think yeah. I'm quoting you, quoting you correctly. Uh, that's a fantastic insight. You know, if if people go could go through life just knowing that and understanding that in their heart every day, so many problems would be <laughs> would be solved. But we are com- complex animals. But no, it is it is really helpful just to go through it. And I think like you to to sort of tie it in as much of a bow as as possible. In terms of pressure, you have commitments and you have res- that slippery term responsibilities. But you also always have a responsibility to yourself. And if something is hurting you, whether that's because a friend is is behaving in a certain way or a family member doesn't quite understand something, then you are well within your rights to take a break or do what you need before you sort of take it the wrong way and blow up. And then come back to it with a fresh perspective and not feel guilty about it um, and, and when you're in an extreme situation like we're in at the moment, <clears throat> that sometimes that's the only thing you can do. So try and again forgive yourself for making that sort of decision. Yeah, and if again it's not going to work for everyone as a thing, but it's okay to apologise. Definitely. You know, if you're if say you was around someone and I don't know, you just you just off with them. You was short answers and and things like that. Don't have to straight away, but maybe like next week or the week after or a couple of weeks down the line when you see them. Just go, look, do you remember that time I was a bit like that with you? They'll probably go, no. But if they go, yes, go, look, I just want to apologise. I was in a bad place at the time. Not going to go into details about it, but, you know, I shouldn't have been like that with you. Rather than bottling that up, because if you start to bottle up after things like that, when you've had the chance to apologise to someone or just clear the air a bit, resentment starts to creep in and i've resented a lot of people that i shouldn't do because i've kept it bottled up whereas just a quick sorry about the other week is fine because we got to a point i think as 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 people where apologies we decided apologies don't mean enough because you see politicians and corporations do non-apology so much that we start to believe that an apology means nothing but it does yeah it doesn't, nothing has to be a grand apology for a little thing, for, for giving someone the cold shoulder or making someone feel a bit crap one day because you've not been nice to them. That's just that I'm really sorry about that. I, it was poor of me. That's all, that's all, that's all it needs. 
and it makes people understand and it makes them see next time maybe you're like that is right okay i can leave them because they're in that place again and it's yeah it's a better understanding of people yeah was there anything else you wanted to add to this one Stu? or just one final thing um one on very much on that theme it's just reminded me of it is <clears throat> a friend of mine revealed some stuff about how they were feeling quite a while ago and you know i, I helped i helped them as much as i possibly could and get you know gave them hugs and, and advice and as much as a you know as i thought that would be helpful um and since then they've been a bit distant and a and a bit uncommunicative and I suspect it's because they feel vulnerable and embarrassed about revealing so much about themselves. And in the very slim chance that this person is listening, you don't have to feel like that at all. It hasn't changed what I think or feel about you in any way. And, uh, you know, it never would. So, you know, that's a very specific thing, similar to your apology, but it's also a general thing of people shouldn't feel bad about exposing their vulnerabilities to somebody who cares about them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I, I know that feeling as well, where someone said and helped you and you don't know what to do afterwards. You do go distant. You do distance yourself in a way that you shouldn't do. And it's a case of, yeah, you know, that person's, again, not going to give you advice if they don't care about you. So they're there for you. Don't feel you have to distance and I've done it. I've done it so many times. I mean, I've lost friendships because of it, because I've distanced myself so far because I, I felt I can't look that person in the eye again, knowing full well they don't feel the same. They're like, look, I'm there for you. That's fine. So don't, yeah, shutting yourself off, I think is the worst thing. And it's easy to say, don't shut yourself off. It's one of the hardest things to act on, though. For sure. If you need to talk, if you need somewhere to shout into the void, our Discord is there. You'll find the link on the site and on description on YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you see this podcast. We don't just talk mental health. It's actually a small part of the Discord. It's becoming a community. And sometimes having that community as to talk about something else, take your mind off of something is important as discussing the actual issues you've got at the time. So join the Discord, use it how you see fit. It's there. Obviously, with this, subscribe, like, whatever you see this. So you, you, you can get future ones of the podcast. New video content is coming. Um, I've been a bit lax the last week because, as you heard discussed previously, we've got a Patreon and you can now buy us a coffee on Coffee. You'll see the link on the site if you really want to help, if you like the content. And as usual, none of it's gated. It's just, again, if, if you wish to help with hosting things stuff like that but yeah usual sign off makes no sense it's not because obviously you can tell i don't plan the sign offs in advance but until next time thank you for listening i've been brad and i've been joined by Stu. bye bye